Welcome, beautiful souls. You are tuned in to Love Human, Be Spirit. With us, I'm Amy, a 3-5 emotional manifester, right angle, cross of Eden. And I'm Monique, a 1-4 splenic projector, right angle cross of the vessel of love. And we'd love to invite you to join us while we talk all things human and spirit through the lens of human design. We'd like to offer you inspiration, information, and lived experiences while we're on this human ride together. So buckle up or don't, your choice. We're here to celebrate your uniqueness and our own and offer a perspective that allows us to lean into what makes us special what makes us human. So let's do it. Get ready to laugh, cry, and everything in between. And we plan to have a lot of fun along the way. Welcome back. We are back for what we're referring to as part two of um, our discussion on emotional authority. We felt called to go a little deeper and maybe just some um, structure specific, some tips and just some things that we felt maybe would be more aligned for the listeners. Um, you beautiful souls to help shore up some of the things that we did in part one. Hello everyone. Yes. Well said, Amy, we were both feeling called to elaborate on a few things. And I had some follow-up questions that I wanted to ask our defined emotional here, Amy, uh, specifically, so that we could get a little perspective from her so that all of us can can kind of um, hear what that sounds like in someone's life, uh, manifestor's life specifically. And um, yeah, so welcome back to Love Human Be Spirit. Thanks for tuning back in. Thanks for getting down with the emotional authority episode. And Here's to learning a bit more. Beautiful. I love that. One thing that we did notice that we did not mention um, in uh, part one was that the solar plexus is actually a motor center. That's pretty important information. It's a a motor center and an awareness center. So it's, you know, duly impactful. Um, And so we, we just felt called to share that. I mean, that is effectively what makes me a manifester is because I have a defined throat, which is connected to a motor and the motor that, you know, I'm connected to happens to be the emotional <laughs> solar plexus. So we just felt like maybe we could share a little bit on that topic as well, especially for those that are just starting to learn. Right. Right. Yeah. That very important uh, tidbit there that we don't think touched on too much at, at all, maybe. Uh, but yeah, so the emotional solar plexus being a motor center, there are four motor centers in the human design body graph, the emotional solar plexus being one of them. And uh, like Amy said, it's an awareness center as well. And it is also the only motor center that really the energy can't be directed so much as, as the other motor centers can, you know, the generators and the man gens with the sacrals, that energy, you know, when, when, when a man gen or a gen is doing something that they love or super engaged in something that is lighting them up as non-sacrals, I think Amy and I can both attest to that. It just feels great to be around that energy because they're using their motor the way that they want to and 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 using that energy um 
heart, the heart slash ego center is the other motor. And then we have the root center being the third. And then the, the last one is the solar plexus emotional center. And, you know, heart, ego, motivation, energy is about, that's my only motor in my chart. And I can definitely attest to it's a, it's, it's very much about having a ton of motivational energy when my heart is in it is the most baseline way I can put that. And I can kind of, you know, feel really quickly if I'm pulling energy from there or not. And Amy has a defined root. So I'm going to let her touch on the root center motor before we go back to talking about the solar since mine is undefined and I have no words there. (laughs) You go ahead. Yeah, And you know, it definitely, it aligns with my energy type too. that pressure to start. I mean, that's what the drive, the ambition that's in that, the root motor center. And I'm grateful that for me, I recognize where I have used that to my benefit. I don't necessarily feel pressure from others. The pressure is mine. The stress that I have, the ambition to start things and do things is mine. And that blends beautifully with the urges I have as a manifester. And so uh, I do feel like I can direct that and use it when I feel called to where with emotions, I, I, I don't even want to use the word control. I just know that they're coming and they're flowing and it's consistent for me. And I don't feel um, like I'm directing anything necessarily. I really don't. So beautifully said that that's just the difference in that specific motor. Yeah. I find that so beautiful to think about that. There's just this bunch of emotional energy, just free flowing through you that you get to just kind of sit back with. I mean, of course this is a non-emotional saying that, but it is just really lovely to think about in that way. If, if there were a way to align so much that you could just be like, okay, this is my emotional energy. It's running the show. I mean, that's kind of the idea with design anyways, to let our human vehicle run the show a little bit more than our mind and, and, and other parts, right? But anyhow, so the solar plexus emotional center is also a motor center awareness center. And again, this is why this is such an important topic because it's one of the main that energy needs to move. It's going to, it's going to do something, you know, it's being produced in this energy center inside of us and it needs to go somewhere. It needs to create just like the sacral energy needs to, it needs to, you know, motivate just like the heart center does. It needs to do things like the root. It needs to do that just like all the other motors do, except with emotional energy, you know, it's, you get to be a little more creative, I think, with how it outputs once you're aware. Right. Maybe. Yeah. I feel like, um, maybe sharing a little bit of the high vibe and the low vibe, the differences, you know, for the ones that defined and not so like the highest vibration for me, having it defined is really, um, understanding and respecting the emotional intelligence and depth of my emotions and being able to openly, I'm a manifester, right. That defined throat, being able to share those openly. I mean, crying out loud. It's my cross of incarnation. It's my sun gate. It's all the things. So for me, (laughs) and then the lowest vibration, which we talked about um, in the first episode is really looking for those external circumstances to justify them. We know those aren't there. That is a very low vibe. That is probably a lot of conditioning societal expectation of that and not allowing ourselves to ride out the emotional wave and being impulsive, which doesn't serve us either. Where for the undefined or the open ones, the high vibe is really discerning between what emotions are yours and not. 
Um, that is by far because then what you get to do is be the observer and you gave lots of beautiful um, experiences of you being that beautiful observer, having it undefined um, and then supporting the emotional health of others. And I know you do that. I've been, I've witnessed it for myself, even if it's as subtle as saying, like you mentioned in episode one, which was our part one, which was your friend. And you were just, you know, maybe you're in a low and really allowing yourself as that beautiful penetrating aura to offer that observer. And then that support, we really need that. The low vibe is holding on to those emotions that aren't yours, right? If you're undefined, those are not yours. You're not meant to do anything with them or being afraid of emotions or avoiding the confrontation. We know that the low vibe of the emotional solar plexus is avoiding confrontation and truth. So that's not really what you're meant to do if it's undefined. So just start noticing if that's something that's going on there because um, it is not your truth by any stretch. So we just wanted to share some of that as well. I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is something else that I wanted to touch on was the, the low vibe, not self of an undefined emotional like myself and that whole avoiding confrontation and truth because that is one that when I first learned about, I didn't really like how it sounded. I was like, mm, I don't avoid truth and stuff like that. I'm pretty confrontational. I felt like really, but I started to really observe where I was not confrontational and where I was very, very willing and ready to move and shape shift and, and kind of squirm around so that I didn't have to say the thing that I was really scared was going to hurt the other person's feelings. And that's really the question that non-emotionals can ask themselves if they're wanting to, to express something that they're picking up on emotionally, or maybe something of their own that they're holding on to emotionally. And the reason that you're not saying it or doing it or is because you're scared that it's going to hurt the other person's feelings or that it's not going to then that's a low vibe that's a not self creeping in and holding you back because the reality the real truth is that when you say the things that you need to say and express and when you confront the truths the other is okay the other receives it the other needs that information. If we're not sharing that, then we're not doing our part as a non-emotional by being honest and forthcoming. Because Amy pointed out as well in our first emotional authority episode that sometimes there's wisdom to be gained from her end as a defined emotion from a non-emotional like myself. But if I'm holding back and not saying something because I'm worried that it might hurt her feelings or it might you know, I'm just scared. A lot of it was fear in my case, just scared of, I don't know, really hurting other people's feelings, but it could show up in, in, a, in lots of ways there. But I do think that that's a really important low vibe, not self one to touch on for undefined emotionals, because it's something that I know that I did without even realizing I was doing for, for in a lot of places in my life. And and I'm, I'm still having to perpetually remind myself or ask myself whether I'm holding back because I'm, because this, is this a fear of confronting something or of a truth that I'm scared to say out loud to, you know, again, my body does not make emotions consistently inside of me like Amy's does. So it's can be uncomfortable sometimes to confront emotional truths, maybe from our 
you know, design and, and, but it's necessary on both up for both ends. Right. I think. Yes. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. That's why, you know, as we mentioned that contrast, how important it is and by having the balance, you know, in the collective of having those that are defined and undefined, because there are gifts in both of them. And I think being fully aware of the high and the low vibes helps support our growth and understanding um, with this really, really impactful center. So super, super impactful one for sure. <laughs> yeah. So um, did you want to say anything else about the motor center with regard to the emotional? Are we, are we good? Do we feel pretty good about covering the areas we missed? I, I do. Yeah, I feel good. All right. Then if you uh, would be so kind, I'd like to ask the question that really pinged in my mind this morning after recording yesterday. <laughs> and I kept... Uh, wanting to ask Amy and it didn't come up I'm sure for good reason but let's bring it up now so Amy is an emotional manifester as we've referenced before and emotional authority is the type of authority that you are meant to wait to make big decisions with right we're not meant to make in the moment decisions often with emotional authority but Amy's design is that of a manifester which is a very quick moving energy, a very fast design. And it is uh, also, you know, when you're a manifester, you're encouraged to act on these manifester urges, right? So I would like to know from your end, how do you balance that? Or what does that look like for you? How does it look to, do you get the manifester urge and then have to tell yourself to wait. I'm curious and I'm sure somebody else is curious too. So yeah, beautiful question and um, multifaceted for sure, because we are the only energy type that doesn't have in our strategy to wait. (laughs) And then I show up with this authority and I'm like, what the hell? You just stripped me of my ability to not have to wait, which isn't true. It isn't true because, you know, as you and I talked about and I've shared, I also have a defined spleen. Um, so I can use that as a backup. And I think for many, many years, I totally dismissed my emotional authority without even knowing and being able to put words to any of this and totally acted upon my spleen. So I do have that ability, but what I feel like it is for me, it's the urges that come up. I actually document them. I mean, if you guys can't see me, but I have all these little sticky notes and I have a bunch of little places where I write things down or I speak it into existence in my phone, etc., so that I don't feel like my urges are lost. And that has been a practice I have done long before I even knew anything about human design. And now I really honor it in a way that I didn't do it before. And then I just check in with myself. I'm, I'm like, does this make me happy? That's something else we didn't talk about in the, the first episode is, is this for me? Does this make me happy? You know, where, what am I feeling? Once I've checked in with where I'm at, you know, in my, in my emotional wave, and I know what neutrality feels like. We touched on that in the first episode too. I'm the one that knows in the first thing in the morning, after I've meditated in journal, I am very neutral where I touched on maybe somebody that has a defined sacral. It may be when their tank is empty, which likely isn't first thing in the morning. Everybody gets to do this, but you were asking me specifically as a manifester who is not designed to wait. What do I do when I have the urge? I first check in, where am I at in my wave? If I'm neutral, I go. And I know that for myself. And ironically, a lot of my urges come from that neutral place. 
Now I've started to pay attention to that more and more. I also allow myself to say, I'm going to check, especially, and I know this is one of the things that we said we wanted to talk about too, especially when it comes to investments and purchases and things that I feel very called to do, but I, I really have to check in if I'm in a really high vibe with it and I just flow in. And like, I know I used to, before I knew anything about human design, tell myself I'm waiting 10 days to make any decisions on, you know, I don't have to do that now. I know where my wave is. I know really within 24 hours where I'm at, or even like, if I would have thought of something yesterday, I can check in with myself today. There's very rarely a time where I have to make an impulse to decision. So, you know, even the retreat that we went on, they gave us that opportunity for those that had the emotional wave to have some time to think it through before we, you know, had to say yes to something. So that's what I have done is checking in, and if I'm in neutrality, I can make a decision right there, but I don't feel like I lose those urges because I allow myself to document them. So that's how I do it. That was a great answer. Great answer. I love that answer. So clear and a, a lot of things that I didn't, I wouldn't have thought of. So thank you for sharing that because I'm sure that's going to be helpful to other emotional manifestors out there and maybe just other emotional authorities out there. Uh, really good tips there. And I, I like, I like a, a few things you said. I, I thought it's interesting that you said a lot of your urges come to you when you're in from a place of neutrality. It's like your body knows. Mm -hmm. and this is the thing about design that will perpetually blow my mind. It's our bodies know so much for us. They have, it has so much information for us. And, you know, I don't know why this blows my mind so much, but it really does. Every single time that I hear something like this, you, you referenced that long before you really knew design, that you had already been kind of like putting these little manifestor urges, if you will, on post-its and putting them out there so that you wouldn't lose it or making little voice notes to yourself, which are all beautiful manifestor <laughs> tip things to do, right? Before you even knew design, your body knew to do that, right? You said something on the Emotional Authority episode yesterday where it was the same. Long before design, what did you say? That you knew that you needed it was something, but, and this came up in a reading I was giving to a six, two the other day. And I was kind of drilling in the part about the two and how it's really important for them to take time by themselves, you know, to, to get that reflection and, and what have you from their observational place. And because of the projection field or whatever, all those two things. And he, he gave me back an example from, you know, years ago, he started recognizing that he needed these breaks from people to really get his clear perspective on things and and that transitions were he he picked up on all this because we are who we are our bodies know it's that's why this stuff is so cool it's relearning things we know inside of our bodies it, and it blows my mind when I hear stuff like this because you know we're doing these things and that's why they say you hear sometimes you don't need human design to get aligned with your design, right? There are people that just are aligned with their design and they'll never need to learn any of this information because they're already doing it naturally, which is kudos. I myself was very unaligned for lots of reasons. And this information has just helped me get there so quickly, like we were talking about. And it's, and it's just in large part, thanks to our body, 
You know, it's I don't know. If- affirming. That's how I feel like, as you were just saying that he's already doing it. I think you're probably referencing mm-hmm. yesterday when I recognize when I needed to be alone, when I'm in a low and I've been doing mm-hmm. that for a long time anyway. And it's affirming to know that what I, how I was nurturing myself, how I was serving myself was all okay. I wasn't being rude. I wasn't being dismissive. I wasn't intentionally being hurtful. I was replenishing what I needed for myself so that that some of the things that happen when you're in a low, I would, I could, um, I could monitor. I just wanted to use the word control again. And that's a word that's that felt very, you know, negatively towards. So I, I tried to stay away from that, but control in the best possible way in that I'm protecting myself while I'm protecting others, knowing where I'm at with my wave. And that um, has been, you know, some really, really insightful stuff. And to your point, you know, of all the people I've shared design with, and I've um, had the absolute pleasure of giving readings to, there's only one that has been like, oh yeah, I'm doing all this. And I'm over here. I'm just sitting back here going, what? I was so far out of alignment. It just blows me away. But there are some people who really honor exactly who they are. And I freaking love that. And so this individual, it just felt incredibly affirming and validating for who they've always allowed themselves to be. But the majority, the 99% others that I have had the luxury of sharing this with are blown away. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, it's always emotional. So it's just, it's a great experience, but I do love to see that there are people that are actually bouncing around this world being exactly who they're designed to be. So Mm, me too. That makes me happy too. And I just, yeah, it just tickles me every time I hear somebody reference something that is so, uh, you know, my best friend, Jeannie will tell me these things sometimes I'm like god that is so manifest or of course she doesn't know design like we do so it's not a conversation but to myself or sometimes out loud to her it's just our bodies know things and we're already wanting to do and operate the way that we're meant to it's just nobody is really showing or encouraging that you know, and, and, and often it's the opposite because that's another thing that I found interesting is that we're so often conditioned uh, against the way that we're naturally designed for some reason. So you were conditioned to not be emotional and not express. Whereas I was almost conditioned the opposite. I was very uh, raised in a very nurtured, emotional environment. I could cry whenever I wanted to. It was fine. Uh, I was, you know, almost babied a bit. Right. But uh, that allowed me to grow into this person that's that has a big open heart really and step into my vessel of love cross in a way that I, I needed that foundation to really get to where I'm at. But my lessons were about trusting myself on my own, right? Because that's what splenic authority is about. It's super about just I mean, it's a whole lot of you need to trust yourself every freaking moment when you have splenic authority. And if you don't know how to do that, which I didn't, I was relying on a lot of other external factors to to validate myself and trust myself and go with my feelings. And that's not right for me. That's not correct aligned for me. Splenic makes no sense to anybody but the splenic person, right? But um, yeah, and I was conditioned to really have explanations for my decisions and, and you know, really have plans set in stone for the things I was going to do, not just base it on some, you know, whatever. It wasn't, wasn't like, just go, go, go do it, you know, if you want to do it. It wasn't that. It was like, you better plan and get ready and da, da, da. And that, that takes all of my splenic magic away, all right? right. Yes. So it's just just interesting. Yeah. It just like puts the fire out for sure. 
Yeah. How we're so conditioned against the thing usually that we really start as, and it's fascinating to me that that's often how our soul picks this journey for us. I guess it's for lesson learning, right? Amen. Yes. 100%. I think the other thing, unless you tell me, I forgot something that we've really felt called to share are really some tips. Um, I came up with five tips, you know, if you yourself had emotional authority, how to use it, how to let it be something to help guide you. Um, Definitely asking yourself the question, does this make me happy when you know you're in a neutral space? And um, if you have a smile on your face and you feel light and it feels like something that you're drawn toward, it's a yes. If it feels heavy, weighs you down, a pit in your stomach, it's a no. And you can usually use that for probably any authority, but certainly more for emotional because emotional is not hundred percent, right? It's just, and it's okay. It's okay. But um, did you feel like there was anything else that you want to cover before we each go into our five tips? Uh, no, the only thing I would say is, and you could just, you're probably going to touch on this. I think with your five tips is what my intuition tells me, but uh, just make sure that we mention how, you know, how to use emotional authority, what that what that looks like, the waiting and all of that, just so that that's very clear for yes. the listeners. Yep, absolutely. So um, I'll, I'll dig into my five and hopefully it'll cover that. And if you don't feel like it does, then we will. But uh, the first one that I really want to share. Uh, so number one is you are not your emotions. You are not your emotions. They are. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to stop you before you keep on just so that everyone's very clear. These are five tips coming from a emotionally defined emotional authority manifestor person. And the people that are looking at your chart and looking at, if you're an emotional authority, these, these are for you right? Correct. Mostly just 100%. so we're real clear. Yes. Okay. Go. <laughs> I mean, we know if you look at your chart and your solar plexus is defined, you are emotional authority. Colored in on the body yep. graph. If your yes. solar plexus, which is when you're looking at the graph, the one on the bottom, right up from the root yep. towards the right, when you're looking at the graph. Um, and if that's colored in, that makes you an emotional authority along with Amy and 50% of the population. And so Amy is going to go on her five tips for defined emotional authorities. And, and hopefully this will help um, nail that home for. Yep. So um, like I started with number one, you are not your emotions. They are experiences. So um, let yourself feel them, but do not believe that you are those things. That was a big learning lesson. And I, uh, remind and offer that to everyone that I get the opportunity when I know that is their authority. The second one, which we did touch on in the first emotional authority episode, but there truly is no truth in the now that quite frankly, pissed me off when I first heard it. Um, but it is very real because if you're in a high or a low, there is no truth available for you in that moment. So the now is when you know you're in neutrality. So, but you still have to ask yourself if that's the space that you're in. So that's number two. Number three, you have all the time you need because we are expected to wait. That is beautiful. And so the mantra that I created for myself and that I'll invite anybody is I'll get back to you. That sounds great. Ooh, that could be fun. Let me get back to you. You know what? I'm not sure right now. Let me get back to you. And do not give a time frame. Do not box yourself in. Be okay with if you're excited about it, great. If you're unsure about it, say, you know, I'm not sure. Just trust yourself in that moment and be able to say into yourself, you know, I have all the time I need. And to them, let me get back to you. That is something that I 
thought made me wrong and it doesn't. Um, and so that leads right into my fourth one. There's nothing wrong with you. There is nothing wrong with us for having emotions, highs, lows, wherever we're at, there's nothing wrong. And there's been a lot of wrong and shame that I have witnessed with emotions in my lifetime. And so I will scream this from the mountaintops if, if given the opportunity, but there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with any of us. We're all beautifully designed exactly and uniquely as we are. And so the more that we can release that thought that there's something wrong with us, the more that we can improve how we show up for ourselves every day. And then finally, this is my biggest um, tip for how to navigate it is experiment. Experiment with how you're feeling. And those feelings are, you know, quite frankly, your emotions to align with your waves and then honor them on how you make decisions for yourself. There's nothing wrong with, you know, the first four, there's nothing wrong with you. You are not your emotions. There's no truth in the now. You have all the time you need. So experiment with it. Where am I feeling? When is this happening? Do I feel like there's a trigger for it? Do I know what I need when I'm in that moment? We talked about the different waves. Do I know how to nurture myself? And a little bonus, create a practice around it um, that will honor your wave and where you're at. For me, it's movement. Okay. I know if I'm bunched up and I have the luxury now living in the beautiful sunshine state, I will step outside, take in some fresh air. I also have split definition, let some other auras be around me. I don't even have to communicate with them and I can change the vibration that I'm in. I can also journal, let myself experience them, feel them, see if there's something we talked about that I can learn from them because it could be a learning opportunity. I can put myself in water to cleanse myself from them, whether it's a pool, the ocean, the shower, whatever that is. I can allow myself to be alone and have that quiet time where I can ask for support. You get to discern what is most aligned for you. And it may be different when you're in a high or a low and just start to experiment with that and then practice it. And then hopefully that will help you feel like it's no big deal, right? Like no big deal, the sky's blue. You know, there's still water, blah, blah, all those things. And this is where I'm at. And don't let it be something that defines us, even though we're emotionally defined, I get it, like no pun intended, <laughs> but just a part of who we are and there's nothing wrong with it. So those were the tips that I came up with. Oh man, those were good. You're good at this stuff, huh? <laughs> Done this before. Um, wow. I love everything you said so much. Those are I say almost all of those whenever I'm talking to an emotional working with any of that, but what beautiful tips and ways to really uh, love and accept and honor and be everything that you're perfectly designed to be. I wanted to ask you, do you track your emotional wave? You regularly know, or no? I never even knew that was a thing. And when we were at the retreat that we, you know, keep mentioning in January of 22 here, um, there were some other beautiful emotionals that, you know, said that there were different apps that they could track. I don't feel called to do that. Mm -hmm. I might right now. I don't feel called to, and I, the practices that I've mentioned and allowing myself to be, you know, um, much more aware has worked for me right now. If I, if I feel differently, now I have other options. So you beautiful souls out there that have emotional authority, there are wave tracking apps available to you. I have no idea what the hell they are. That's what the search bar is for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I find it's so fascinating to me. I, I, I wonder if I was an emotional, if I would track mine or not. I'm not sure, but I, I, I wasn't sure if you did. I, I, was, I felt called to ask you that. And um, yeah, I remember somebody sharing on the retreat also, you know, uh, this kind of like 
it stuck with me in my mind, a way to kind of picture your emotionally neutral at like a zero and look upwards at number, like a number graph, like one, two, three, four, up to 10, and then downwards one, two, three, 10, and kind of check in with yourself daily that way to just kind of make it easier than maybe labeling a whole emotion or a whole wave or to start, I don't know, to, to, as a non-emotional, that sounded to me like it could be a helpful way to just quickly check in or maybe somebody that's just first starting or what do you think about that? I love it. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember that. And the the information they gleaned from giving themselves that metric to be able to check in, I I totally see how that could, you know, absolutely benefit. And like I said, maybe I'll, maybe I'll turn to that at some point. I just haven't felt called to so far. You'll just listen to your emotional authority and make those decisions as they come. (laughs) Amen, sister. I love it. Thank you so much. Those were really amazing tips. So I am going to share five tips for non-emotionally defined people like myself. So if you're looking at your body graph and your emotional solar plexus is white, not colored in, either all the way open or undefined, which means you have a gate or two or five in there, but not all of them. Um, And that makes you a non-emotional, an undefined emotional or an open emotional like me. So. I'm going to share five tips that I've taken away that I think are worth mentioning. We did touch on some of these in our first episode, but they're that important. So the first one I'm going to start with is clearing out daily. As a non-emotional, I think this is one of the most important things that I have incorporated into my daily life. As I shared on the first part of this, I've also incorporated it into my daughter's daily life because she's a non-emotional and I've seen how naturally it feels for her and you know human design it's children and human design is really cool to witness because it's you're not teaching them about design they're just being their design and as an adult who knows this information you kind of get to bear witness and it's pretty amazing magical stuff and clearing out came naturally to me too it was so bananas how much better I felt the first time I ever did that just intentionally taking a second at the end of my day, I think it was, or at the end of my work shift, maybe the first time, and just sitting there and saying aloud, I am clearing out any energy inside of me that is not my own. Any emotional energy inside of me that is not my own needs to leave now because I'm trying to get back to my center and my neutral state of being. I'm done with it. I've used it for what I need to use it for. Whatever flows out of your mouth, however this comes out of you, but you have to set the intention. And I think it helps to say it out loud, even to yourself. Uh, maybe that's my defined throat. I don't know. Maybe if you're undefined throat, you don't feel the need to. But for me, making the time to intentionally clear out sometimes multiple times throughout the day, but definitely once a day at the end of my day has been a game changer for me. And I highly, highly recommend that for anyone with an undefined solar plexus for anyone anywhere always, but especially in this case. Um, the second one is that I think is almost just as important is checking in with your emotions throughout the day, throughout the people that you encounter throughout the different environments that you move through and really checking in 
regularly, often, and asking, is this mine? Is this mine? Or is this somebody around me's stuff? Is this mine? Or is this the energy that I'm in right now? Uh, For me, the more that I do this, it's way easier to discern whether it's mine or not. It was really challenging at first when I started asking myself, I'm like, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is mine or not. I have no idea. But the more that you ask yourself and the more that you practice doing this, just like everything else, the more natural it becomes. And I feel energy almost immediately now when I'm in other people's presence. And I'm sure I always have, but the awareness is just there for me very forward. And it's, I have to remind myself always like, whoa, that's not mine. I just felt something go inside of my emotional body. And that is not mine. I was feeling very neutral five seconds ago. So that means I just walked into some space with some emotional definition and I need to, you know, take slower steps and really make sure that I'm honoring my, my path. And, and if you find that you're in environments that make you feel negative emotional stuff or heavy or contracting, then leave those environments choose to not be there anymore. Choose different environments, make new friends, make new places to hang out there. This is a big, big world with a lot of people in it and, and limiting yourself uh, is, is so easy to do unknowingly in this way. You know, we, we think that our worlds become these small places, but we can go outside of that. And if something is making you feel emotionally heavy, maybe you've done that long enough and it's okay to just say, all right, I'm going to move from this. It doesn't make me feel good anymore. And that's been a big one for me. And I have to check in throughout the day, guys, a lot, a lot. The more people I see, the more I have to do it. So it's not, you know, I don't want it to sound too tedious, but it is intentional, right? Um, And then the third one, which I think flows pretty naturally here is that I constantly also do throughout the day as a non-emotional is I try and remind myself that it, this is probably not personal, whatever emotional feeling that I'm coming across is probably not having much to do with me. It's probably somebody else's wave that they're riding or somebody else's emotion that I'm rolling through or, you know, borrowing or trying on or however you want to play and experiment with that. But reminding myself that this is not personal. This is my journey is personal. Everything that I do for myself, that's personal. Uh, feeling walking through another's aura and picking up their emotion. It's just not, it's mechanics. It's just energy. It's just moving energy. And it's just not personal. I'm not a victim. I don't need to feel bitter about it. I don't need to hold on to it. I don't need to do any of that. I can just remind myself that, th- that you know, this isn't personal right? My, my path is personal to me and everyone else's is personal to them. And whatever I'm walking through is just right now. And I can remind myself of that throughout the day. And that's been very helpful for me. And the next one that I would like to recommend is asking what can be learned here? Because again, we're going to encounter emotions. That's part of, part of the game here, people, part of the design. So when we're in these emotions, and especially if we choose to have relationships with people, if we want to have lovers and friendships and kids and parents and siblings, we're going to encounter emotions and we're going to have to work with them and we're going to have to 
get curious about what can be learned from this emotional experience from our end as well. We can't be quick to get uncomfortable with it. We can't be quick to just move so we don't have to confront it. We can't be quick to disregard it or say it's too much for us. And that, you know, we really have to ask what can be learned here? Is there something for me to be learned here? And hey, if not, move on, fine. But asking ourselves as non-emotionals, especially if an emotion is coming up a lot, I would say for you, because that's another lesson for me. You know, if you're drawing in the same emotional people, there may be something to to, to gain here on your end, if you want to, if you want to get curious and look at it in a different way, in a detached way, in a non-personal way, there might be something to learn here. And being able to do that for me has been it's like I took eight steps up in growth because uh, of that. You know, this reminding that maybe it's just something that can maybe it's my one line that likes to learn things but just asking myself what can be learned here it takes me very quickly out of the emotionality of it and into the like intellectual cool part of it of the life experience right instead of like oh my god this is so much and like wow it's like all right okay okay there is something here let me figure out what it is that the universe is trying to show me and then we can move the fuck on from this. Right. Right. (laughs) So having some fun with it like that is my recommendation. And is that four, five. Okay. I'm on five now. Um, Is uh, my last recommendation would be if you're a non-defined emotional, uh, I like to suggest, or I would like to invite you to rely on some of your defined centers, your other definition, your other consistent energy. Know that you being an undefined emotional means that that's going to ebb and flow and change. And it's going to depend on who you're around. It's going to depend on what stage of your life you're in. It's going to depend on what you're taking in around you. But if you are relying on your definition that you have consistently to pull from, for example, for me, my spleen very defined. Sometimes my emotionalities running away with me. If I take it back to what is consistent to me and what is consistent to me is quieting my mind, getting very quiet with my body. And then I hear my intuitive knowingness for what is right for me. And I can rely on that. I can rely on that always because that's my design. I can rely on my defined G. If something is making my defined G feel like I can't be myself, then that's enough for me to just move the other way. I don't need to even worry about the emotions that I'm feeling or deal with them. I can sort through that later or whatever. But so my defined mind, I can process things consistently, right? So relying on your centers that are defined when you find yourself emotionally lost as a non-emotional, I think can be an empowering tool and, and really focusing your energy on that instead of the like flabbergastingness that can come around being an undefined emotional <laughs> around emotionals, uh, especially when there's more than one around, which generally there are, right? So yeah, just rely on the stuff that's yours. That's the whole idea of this thing anyway, right? So we can all be our truest, perfectly designed selves, right? So those are my five tips. Those were so good. God, those were so good. I'm so glad that we allowed ourselves the spaciousness to do this bonus second episode for such an impactful, I mean, 
you, you go with what you feel called to do. And I'm so glad we did because the nuggets that we've shared here in this second episode, I, I feel like tie in beautifully to everything that we shared in the first one. And there's lots of takeaways, you know, because half of us are defined and half of us aren't. And for sure, we're all navigating um, spaces where there's both of us together and the ones just reflecting on, you know, for you specifically sharing the nuggets of how to, how to work your way through them and really um, clearing them out and reminding yourself and checking in with yourself throughout the day. That's so important. So you don't get clogged, you know, where we all have um, the potential to have our beautiful auras clogged and by being really intentional with such a important, powerful center, just noting, noticing. And then I loved your fifth one. My gosh, just because you don't have it defined, you have some other really beautiful ones that are. So lean into those. I mean, that's what we all get to do with no matter what our design is. While we're talking specifically about the solar plexus today, this, this is, goes with any of them. And um, I think just as we've shared, you know, our intention is, is just to raise the awareness for this so that it improves, you know, how we experience not only life for ourselves, but life with others. And I loved, you know, the open permission slip to not be around things that are toxic that we know are going to lend to some, you know, really uncomfortable emotions for someone that's undefined. Um, it's okay to choose for yourself. And oftentimes we don't feel like that's true and feeling that way is also a choice. So we can choose otherwise for sure. But I feel like that's, we covered everything that we wanted to in the second, and we're not always going to have two parters, but we felt that this was really important to have a second part so that we could have a little more narrative about how to navigate this because like we've said, 50% of us are defined and 50% of us are undefined. So there's gifts in it for both of us. Is there anything else you felt called to share? Yeah, no, you covered it. That, that was beautifully said. And, and yeah, I just, I'm really happy that we honored. We both had the feeling that we wanted to elaborate here. And I think that we made the right call Yeah, and that's what it's about, right? We get to honor our, just the ways that we feel and, and, and really acting on that and unabashedly leaning into it as, as often as we can. And it feels so good to do that. Yes. I can say it feels so good to witness and it feels so good to do. Yes. So yes. with so, that. Yeah. Regardless of which one you are, we gave you some tips to start navigating it. Hopefully those will feel helpful and supportive as you start to learn how to, you know, create a practice for yourself. And, you know, if there are questions or anything that we can help support, we'd love to know. That's what we're here for. Yes. As always, we love questions and feedback and all that good stuff. And we will talk to you on the next one. Absolutely. Until next time. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We hope you found it inspiring and digestible. If you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to us if you'd take a moment to follow us so you'll be notified when new episodes are released. And if you're feeling really generous, please share and review our podcast as long as it's a five-star review. Otherwise, never mind. Maybe just keep that to yourself. And lastly, if you're new to human design or just curious to learn more about your own, Amy and I both have offerings for that. 
We also have an extensive human design community that we belong to. So if we don't feel like the right fit, we can certainly guide you to someone who is.